0: Good morning Tuolumne Community Baptist Church. This is your Pastor George here at the church office getting ready for Sunday morning. I'm so glad that you're tuning in. Today today we're in John chapter 8. I love John chapter 8. What a great message I think it's going to be. I got to tell you, I'll tell you straight up front, it's going to challenge you. And that's the point. You come to church to learn and to grow and to develop, and you can't learn and grow if you're not being challenged. So enjoy the message. God bless you. I hope to see you guys soon. We'll get started here in just a second. Well, before we get into John chapter 8, I want to do a little bragging. Can I do a little bragging? Sure. Bring up the next slide, John. This is my youngest granddaughter, Sydney. She's preaching her very first message at North, Southeastern Christian University at the Motion Church internship. She had about, I don't know, 40, 50 people there. And, and it was awesome. It was awesome. I said, honey, you got to come preach for us down here in Towami. She said she will this next summer. But isn't that awesome? Hey, just give the Lord a hand. God is so good. Both my granddaughters are very much considering ministry, and um, their father and myself can't be uh, more proud of, they, of might, what, they, might you up. they might just go right <laughs> on. I pray they do. I pray they do. Than you are. They, they are. <laughs> hey, you know they got more hair than you do. They do. They do, yeah. And she's kind of cute. But you know what the funny thing was about it is the pulpit's about this high. She's. Not quite five foot. She had her computer sitting here. and When I first came up, you couldn't see her at all. I could hear her talking in the top of her head, but that's all. But her instructor was giving her a motion, so she moved off to the side. where, and, and she could still see her computer screen and did her preaching off from the side. But what, what an awesome day uh, that was to get that video uh, just the other night. So let's get into John chapter 8. I love chapter 8, but I love chapter 7. So, and, and chapter 9, chapter 9 is one of my favorite all-time chapters to preach on. I've preached it in this church, not doing the whole book of John, but where I just use nothing but the Bible. It's such a great story. Wait till we get to John chapter 9. But this week we're in John chapter 8. Jesus has made his stand in, in chapter 7. And I love the book of John because it focuses on the whole three and a half years of Jesus's mystery. Matthew, Mark, and Luke focus on his birth and the last year of his ministry. So we get to see Jesus in a lot of ways that you don't get to. What's up, Joe? Yeah, the slide's not working. It's not moving from there. Okay. So we are in the book of John, chapter 8. So let's just jump right into our pop quiz. Are you guys ready? Can you get down to the pop quiz slide? You are there. Pop quiz number one: Jesus really confused the Pharisees when he made this statement in John 7:36, "You will seek me and not find me. Where I am, you cannot come." Where is he talking about? Yeah, I think that's pretty safe sure. But let me ask you this question. Is he saying they can't go to heaven? No, if they believe in him, they'll be able to go. But he's telling them in this, the way they see it right now, if you don't accept me, you're not going to get to go to heaven. Let's look at pop quiz number two. John 8, 32 and 33. And this is going to be a large part of this message today. You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. They answered him and said, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage. To anyone, how can you say you will be free? I know it's crazy. This statement sounds like uh, the Jews have never been in bondage, and we know their history. They've lived in bondage. But what is Jesus really talking about? Sin. Yeah, he's talking about the nature of sin, the bondage that we're in when we're in sin. But these guys, they could not see it. And that's going to be what we're going to be talking about today. So let's get started with in John 8. We're actually going to start with John seven fifty three because they tie together. John seven fifty three says, now this, just to set it up better, so you've got to remember last week uh, we had the Feast of the Tabernacle, and at the very end, Jesus was at, at the end of the, the feast on the eighth day. He was there in the temple, and he was teaching, and he made those proclamations. I am the light. If you're ever thirsty, come to me. And the living water will flow through you. He made those incredible proclamations that actually set up his deity. He's saying, I am the one. I am the Christ. I am the one who came to save his people. He was just putting it out there and they knew exactly what he was saying. So after all that had happened, John seven fifty three, and everyone went to his own home. John 8, 1 says, But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Notice that Jesus didn't go home. Why? Well, he didn't have a home to go to. He could have went to his parents' home in Galilee. But his plan was to stay near the temple for the morning. Verse 2, Now early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came to him. He sat down and taught them. John 3, it says, Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery and they had set her in the midst. They said to him, teacher, this woman was caught in adultery. The very act, the very act. Verse five says, now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? What do you say, Jesus? Verse six, they said this, they said testing him that they might have something to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. I love it. You know, he's just kind of ignored them. I'm gonna think this through before I say anything. Verse seven says, so they continued asking him, He raised himself up and he said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw the first stone at her. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. There's a couple things wrong here with what the Pharisees were asking Jesus to do. We know because the Bible tells us it was a setup. It was a test, a test that they were hoping could get Jesus killed or taken into custody. Number one, the Roman Empire had taken away the right of the Jews to put any person to death. They had no right at this time to accuse anybody or have any person put to death. That right was reserved to the Roman Emperor only. So Jesus, to have said, follow the law and stone her, they could have turned right around and had him arrested just for agreeing with the law. If he had said the law was wrong, then they would have a direct violation of their law and the Pharisees could use this to accuse him. And number two, what did Moses actually say in the law? Let's look at it, Leviticus 20.10. It says, the man who commits adultery with another man's wife. It's interesting how Moses wrote this. It's like he, he, he said that and then he rethought it. it. Says a man who commits adultery with another man's wife. And then he goes, oh, "Wait a minute. He who commits adultery with his neighbor's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress shall surely be put to death." Where was the man? <laughs> exactly. So I have to ask, where was the guy involved in this adultery that was caught in the very act? Where was the man if they were going to live so much by the law? I think Jesus was writing on the ground, these guys are idiots. That's just me, you know. But I think that's what these guys are just, they're so full of themselves, they don't even know what they're doing. John 8, 9, it says, Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, being the oldest even to the least, Why would you think it'd be the oldest even to the least? Maybe because the older ones are smarter? You think? (laughs) Yeah. You know, maybe they were weaker. They they had to finally drop those rocks they were carrying. I don't know. But from the oldest to the least. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up, saw no one but the woman. And he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? Verse 11, she said, No, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Put yourself in her place just for a minute. How incredible was that statement? She was about to be stoned. She was set up herself. How evil are these scribes and Pharisees who actually probably set her up? Just, they were willing to sacrifice another person's life just to prove that they were right. And they weren't even right at all. It's much a bigger deal than it sounds like. But you have to understand this. Jesus does not condemn the sinner, but he also does not condone the sin. Because he said to her, go and sin no more. He's having, he's saying, I forgive you. But you have to change your ways and not sin anymore. It brings me to point number one. We all have a past. You all have a past? We all have a past. We have things that we're ashamed of, things that we don't even want to talk about. We all have one. We were all once sinners, still are, but we're saved by the grace of God. For some of us, stop sinning. But for some of us, it's been a long haul, repeated failures. But nevertheless, we're still trying. We're still moving forward. Others, it may have seemed easy. They just stopped sinning. There's a key that we must understand. It's admitting we have sin. Here's another way to say it. It's admitting that you were wrong. How many of us have been Christians for a long time and we have become good at being Christians? Good at it. We know the right words to say. We come to church on Sundays. We say, yes, hallelujah. We do all those things and yet... Does it reflect that in the rest of our lives? We've become so good at being Christians, we still hate to admit when we're wrong. We cover it up with our own goodness and we go on. Oftentimes, oftentimes I've shared parts of my testimony to this church. And many of those times, it may be the first time that my beautiful wife, Jo, has ever heard that part of my testimony. We've only been married for, well, six years, seven this year. So there's still still stories that I haven't told her. And sometimes I'll be sharing a testimony, and, and after church she'll go, Man, I knew you were bad. I just didn't know you were that bad. And I'll say to her, ah, oh, come on, we just had this conversation. Yeah, come on, honey, give me something. You, you, you got sin in your life, too. And she was born in a Christian home and raised up through the Methodist church. And praise God that her family and, and all of her brothers and sisters have, are Christians. It's an amazing achievement on her family's part. And I said, but come on, honey, give me something. Give me some, Tell me something, you know, sin in your life. I'm going to do it, honey. And she said, well, when I was about seven, my mom sent me into the store to get milk. And I went into the store to get milk and I walked by. What was it called, honey? A mint, york mint patty. She seen a York Mint patty, and she grabbed one. She knew she had enough money after the, with the milk. She grabbed a York Mint patty, but she slipped it into her pocket. So I wouldn't drop it. So that she wouldn't drop it. She went, paid for the milk, went home. The York Mint patty's in her pocket. And I said, surely you took it back. She said, no, I ate it. <laughs> Man, I was, you know, that was such a bad sin that I, it, I, I laughed myself near her. silly. But praise God. That that's all that she's had to endure. But even those. Even those who got saved and it was relatively an easy transition. You have to be willing to admit you have sin. sin, sin. We all have sin. Yeah. And we all go through it. I never want to glorify my bad years because there's no glory in it. But I still tell the story at times because it will lift somebody else up who is right where I was at. Who who needs to know that, in fact, someone will say, wow, and you're their pastor. Yes, I am. I am because God has turned it around and has changed my life from the inside out. And it didn't happen overnight. I wished it did. I wished I hadn't have lost all those years. But here's the thing. You can be a person like me that had lots of sin. That when God forgave me, that was a big deal. Imagine how it was for this this woman caught in adultery. This was a big deal. He said, I forgive you. I do not condemn you. You have no idea what that meant to me when I realized that God does not condemn me. Even with what I know who I was. And so for a person like Joe, who has, she has to go through the same thing. She has to realize that she is forgiven for that peppermint patty. You need to give me the name of that store. We'll write him a letter. It's closed. Oh, it's closed. You're, you're blessed. But you know, you still have to be forgiven. You have to, you have to realize how many of us, you know, we say that we're forgiven, but we're still carrying around that guilt of what we know we've done. I was that way for many years, and thank you, Jason, thank you. Because we know who we are, we know what we've done, and it's hard to get a grip on the fact that he died on a cross to forgive us. And we have to understand that. And we have to walk in his forgiveness. Well, there's a point that I'm trying to make. What if we have a sin that... We don't recognize or realize as a sin. Worse yet, not willing to admit that we are wrong and that it's a problem. We just cover it up, you know, with our goodness. Our goodness of being a Christian. Oh, we're so good at that. We'll have something in our lives. Maybe it's something simple, but it's still sin in our lives. And we know what we've done, but we walk away and just say, praise the Lord. I'm good. I'm a good Christian. I know Jesus forgives me, I'm good. But you never really take care of the problem. It happens to all of us. We never, we don't want to admit that we were wrong and that it's a problem. I know that I was really bad and I know that Joe was a goody good. But praise God for that. I am so proud of her for that. But could it be Now that I've changed most of my ways and I consider myself to be a good Christian, is it possible for me to be just like the Pharisees and not see that I'm lost? Because I'm good. I've been living good, doing good. I have to be willing to look into myself and realize I have a sin nature that needs to be dealt with. Look at Proverbs 28, 13. It says, he who covers his sins will not prosper. What do you think he means? He who covers his sin. Hey, I'm good. I know I said a few bad words last week, but hey, I'm good. I need to deal with that that sinful nature that's within me. And I need to look at myself and see it and change it. Because he says, I will not prosper But whoever confesses and forsakes, confesses and forsakes, confesses and forsakes. Them will have mercy. Confesses and forsakes. See, it's one thing to confess you have a sin nature. Because we all do. But do we forsake it? We tend to do this all time. We cover up our sin with our good works rather than admitting we have we were wrong and confessing a sin in our lives. Let's get to this famous scripture in John 8, 30 through 32. It says, and as he spoke these words, many believed in him. I love that many of these Jews that he was preaching to believed in him. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Could that be admitting that we have a problem? Knowing the truth? See, we always tend to think that, well, Jesus is the truth, and the Bible is the truth, and and everything's the truth. How about admitting who you are? Could that be the truth that Jesus was talking about? Admitting and knowing that you have a problem? Admitting and knowing that you need to be set free? Knowing that truth is what will set you free. Admitting to the fact that you have a sin nature and you need to change it. In verse 33, they answered him. We are Abraham's descendants. Doesn't that sound religious? Come on, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Are you kidding me? They have been in bondage nearly to everyone in their world nearly all the time, one time or another. In fact... Right now, they're in bondage to the Romans, but they can't see it. They can't see it. Hmm. They can't see it. You know, Pastor, I thought, I thought you know, going through the book of John would be, you know, kind of easy listening and easy, easy going. No, it's got, it gets right straight to the heart of the issue. Brings me to point number two. Can a Christian be spiritually blind? Let me just, a resounding yes. Yes, we can be spiritually blind and we love Jesus. I'm not saying you're not going to heaven. I'm saying that your life could be totally turned upside down because you're not willing to admit the sin nature that you have in your life. How many Christians today would say, I'm not in bondage to anybody or anything? I bet there were some of you that might have even been thinking that when I was reading that scripture. We're not in bondage. I'm not doing drugs except for the ones the doctor give me. I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm, I'm, I'm a good Christian. I go to church. I put money in the pan there. I, I take care of business. And yet we get angry, unrighteously so. We lie. We get jealous. We have evil thoughts. We steal. I know it was just a church pen. It's okay, I'm not mad at you. We covet things. We sometimes drink too much. Okay, maybe it's not alcohol, maybe it's milkshakes. Okay? Yeah. We covet things, we drink too much. We watch things we should not watch. Do I need to go on? Oh, I will. We complain. We judge people because we are better than they are. I mean, we're Christians. Isn't this exactly the, what the Pharisees were doing? We're better than you are. We say evil things, cuss words. We make inappropriate jokes and gestures. We cheat, even our brothers and sisters. We cheat on sales tax when we buy a used car. Oh, God, Pastor, I can't believe you went there. Because it's something we all do. It's true, huh? Yeah. I mean, you know, they've paid taxes on that car 17 times every time it's sold, and now it's your turn. To do what's right. Hmm. I'll let God deal with you with that. Come on, Pastor. You're gone too far with this. Well, here's a little more. How about boasting or bragging or gossiping? Oh, I'm gossiping. Did you hear that Sister Johnson stole a peppermint patty? I just, I'm telling you this just for a a prayerful thing. You know, just pray for her. Oh, that's pure gossip. And how often do we do that? Oh, you got to pray for Brother Jason, you know? We need to repent, brothers and sisters. Verse 34 Jesus answered them, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. And we laugh at the Pharisees saying, we've never been caught up in bondage, but we ourselves are not willing to see the truth. That's where the Pharisees were at. They were not willing to see the truth, their sinful nature that was inside of them. Look at this story, the just parable that Jesus gave us. You, You guys know this one, Luke 18. Verse nine says, also he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves pay attention to that the very first line also he spoke this parable to some of you who trust in your own christianity in yourself that they that they were righteous and despised others verse 10 two men went up to the temple to pray one pharisee the other a tax collector Hmm. Verse 11, the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even this tax collector standing right here. How many times have we been there? And we may be saying to ourselves, God, I just so thank you that I don't have the issues that these people are coming in here with. He said, verse 12, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I possess. What a wonderful guy. Man, what a Christian he is, huh? Fast twice a week, twice more than I do. But then the tax collector, verse 13, and the tax collector standing afar off would not as much as rise his eyes to heaven because he knows who he is, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. This man saw the truth. He wasn't pulling no punches with God. He knew who he was. He said, I'm just a sinner, God. And Jesus goes on and says, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. I know you thought this was going to be easy listening, but I hope that I'm making some of you squirm. Christian brothers and sisters why because I love you I have to tell you the truth if I didn't tell you the truth where would be the love in that just to tickle your ears to make you feel good about being in church I mean Easter's coming and we we got to get all gussied up and fancied up and and tickle your ears no we're going to hear the truth let's look at Corinthians chapter 6 verse 9 do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. I should be able to stop right there. But he goes on to tell us, Neither fornicators, adulterers, nor adulterers, Idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor or sodomites. Verse 10, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. Can I get an amen? Amen. Such were some of you and such was I. But you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. There may be some of you that can honestly say, I'm not part of that crowd. My wife could almost say that. She's not part of that crowd. Yeah, maybe she stole a candy bar when she was little. Maybe she took something hot when her dad said, don't touch that. But we all have sin. I don't care if sin is just a little bit or if it's been huge. You might be saying, I haven't done any of those things. Well, that may be true, but you still have sin. Are you willing to admit you are wrong? Really good Christians have a hard time admitting when they are wrong. Can I get an amen? Amen. This is the truth. We have a hard time because of who we are, who we think we are. We're the righteousness of God, and we are. But not so that we can look down at others and think how much better we are than they are. We're the righteousness of God so we can see our own imperfections, our own sin nature. Romans three twenty three. For all have sinned. How many? Yeah, all. All. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Look at verse twenty-five, whom God set forth as propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness, because in his forbearance God has passed over the sins. That were previously committed. So maybe you're sitting here and going, Well, propitiation, what what does that mean? Well, Merriam Webster said, and it means we have divine favor, avoiding divine retribution is what it means. Forbearance. Let me give you some synonyms to forbearance long suffering, patience. God has patience with you. He's got patience. He's willing to wait until you're willing to finally see, I have a sin nature and I need to clean it up. Sufferance, tolerance, that's what forbearance meant. <laughs> Verse 26, to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness that he might be just. And the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. And I hope that's you, that you're the one that has faith in your Lord Jesus, because if then you know who your justifier is. Now we just need to take the time to admit who we really are. And I'm not saying that each one of you got to stand up here and say, well, this last week I you know, did this or I did that. No, we're not going to do that. but are you really willing to admit that things just aren't right? I'm looking at your faces. What beautiful faces. Beautiful Christians, people that love Jesus with all their hearts and minds, and that's you. But God has called me to point this out, that each one of us, Have a sin nature that we need to turn away from and stop covering it up with our beautiful Christianity. If it wasn't for the COVID season, I would call you all to the carpet on this one. I'd say every one of you need to come down here and get before God and put it out there. I wasn't perfect this last week. Far from it. I praise God that my sinful nature, have got it to, the, to a point of control that it may be a bad word or a bad thought. I'm still dealing with thoughts. Anybody else? I'm still dealing with thoughts that go through my head that are not from God. The Bible tells us to capture every thought. To capture it. Don't let it go by. Oh, that's not really me. I'll just let it go. Now capture it, rebuke it, repent of it. It's important. Tony, would you come back up? That last song. And Dave, why don't you come up too, if you would? And Steve, come, come back up. The last song you were doing at the uh, set. Draw me close to you. Yeah. Sure. I want us to sing this again. Draw me close to you. You, you know the words. This is an old time song. And I don't care if you don't know the words because I want you communicating with God. Saying, God, forgive me. Forgive me. Yes, I've made a good Christian. Let's all stand together.